I'm a clay sculptor and I'm passionate and curious about all things creative. This podcast is about conversations with all kinds of artists, the how and the why they create. I'll be talking to painters, poets, potters, novelists, actors, musicians, clothing designers, leather makers, jewelers, and uh, there also may be some wine involved. I'd like to welcome Venus Sue to Creatives Uncorked. <laughs> and and cheers to you. We've got some Mount Boucherie Pinot Noir. Very nice. It's, isn't that nice? That's yeah. a fairly new winery, I think, in West Kelowna. And, oh. and it's it's beautiful building. So yeah, cool. I'm, I'm making cool. my way around every single winery in BC. That's And it's very generous of you to oh. bribe me. I can easily be bought and feel free yeah. anytime. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> So, so okay let's let's just off the bat like you and I've known you actually longer than my husband which is yeah right right yeah we met in it would have been 79 so that was well I think I was 16 yeah in my I was really? 16. You were, yeah, year. you were very smart and very ahead of most people I knew at that age. Well, I did not feel it, but thank you for saying so. Because of course, inside what is going on at that age is chaos and trauma and yeah. unresolved everything. And yeah. you're st- I was still a child on every level. Still children, but without the, the trauma. Right, that- right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we met playing theater sports and theater was my, my minor at university. And I just, I was so lucky to have stumbled We were very, for, yeah, Elaine. Yeah. I mean, it was my major to do theater. So I was one of those, oh my God, so lucky to have Keith Johnstone as yeah. my acting teacher. Yeah. And we had him Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from like either nine till noon or one till four, but three yeah. hours. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in there, uh, after I'd had him for a year, mm-hmm. he invited me over to his house for tea, which was not unusual for Keith. He right. invited people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he was friends with his students, which you can't really do now. I guess not. No. Um, and he said, I'm going to be starting a theater company. We've got a patron who's going to put up some funds. It's a veterinarian friend of mine named Mel Tonkin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I've got some, I think our acting class this year is a very good group. So I'm going to take some of the people from there. And we have a couple of other people that I didn't know. And we're going to meet here once a week in my basement to uh, learn some improvisation games. And I was like, fantastic. And I didn't know. I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) Oh, what a gift. I had no idea. And then, of course, for like a year, we met in Keith's basement. There were seven of us. Yeah. Now, you could never go, I'm 16, going over to a professor's house at mm-hmm. night and learning. Into his basement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a movie yeah, hey, Mom. right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. There's, there's a lawsuit right there. Yeah. But it was, it was the best years and best time I could have imagined. And I learned so much outside of acting because of this very intimate setting with a brilliant man. I mean, what a gift. I just, mm-hmm. what a gift. It was for me, a paradigm shift in every, in my life, that whole idea of thinking like that, that and I still mm-hmm. apply it. We, I was talking about that with Gordon last, you know, how I still apply that way of thinking to what I mm-hmm. do now. So I'm not, I don't perform anymore, but I definitely apply the improvisational mind to all my problem solving in my artwork and everything, which is, which means you have to be willing to throw away stuff <laughs> that doesn't work you have to be willing to fail 
Yes. Yeah. And I don't see that much out there in, you know, I've done a lot of years of uh, mainstream professional theater. Yeah. And after many years of that, I got tired of being tired. Yeah. And so I started moving more over to film and television. Mm-hmm. But you don't see a lot of willingness to fail. Mm-hmm. There is a. Well, it costs it, money. It costs money to fail. You see, and I don't know if it does. I don't know, but I think that's the mentality oh, of, of life, agree. right? Yeah. 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 Because when I first started doing theater professionally, after having done, I don't know, 50 plays at Loose Moose. Yeah. Wow. I was like, oh my God, we get three weeks rehearsal. This is an amazing amount of time eight hours a day and then you get there and all they do is sit around and talk and work out blocking with you know on this line move here and sit there (laughs) what a waste of time I thought (laughs) and then inevitably then you're in tech week and you're not ready and everyone's bitching about how we don't have enough time and I was thinking and I still to this day think what a waste of time the way theater is rehearsed yeah we rehearsed so differently yeah. But these are not people who've had that same background that we've had. No, it's true. So it wasn't a, it's not as much of a creative process then to follow that, that set way of approaching a, a stage play where you, you learn your lines, you do the blocking, you do the light. It's not well, as organic. It's not, well, I mean, they will use that word a lot nowadays, but organic. Exactly. Well, I think with what Keith's process versus the mainstream process is to um, try applying some of the improvisational techniques that we now know mm-hmm. to the script yes and it came off I, I think the biggest compliments I ever received when I was in a play at Loose Moose when an audience member would come up to you after is they always used to ask me was it all improvised because it looked improvised really and I'd be like no we every word was scripted wow but you were making different decisions depending on what was happening well, at that moment it, they said, well, it didn't look like you're acting. And we'd get criticized from the university professors by that because it didn't, since it didn't look like we were acting, it didn't count. Because <laughs> oh. it had to look, they only knew acting to be false and arch and wow. slightly stiff and following some British model that Canada yeah. was still stuck in with theater. Well, so if you had playful people, um, talking to the audience sometimes or entering mm-hmm. through the audience mm-hmm. and, and doing all this um, movement that was different every night. Like one night I'll, I'll wind up the rope in the scene over here and then over there tomorrow night. And I didn't know nobody and nobody got mad at you if you changed the blocking. Whereas then I'd go on to mainstream stages and rehearse and I'd change the blocking and I'd get in trouble from the oh, stage. You, you give the stage manager a heart attack then every yeah. time. <laughs> Well, can I just, just, I want to backtrack a little bit because I, I, my description of who you are and what you do is very lame because you, you've had three decades of experience and you did, you referred to the film and television and stage that you've done, but my gosh, like now I'm just, just so pulled this off your website. So thank you for making my work really easy, but like you're currently in Virgin River, a million little things uh, away, Twilight Zone or Nancy Drew, V.C. Andrews. I don't know what that one is. Uh, It's a movie of the week. Okay. Twilight Zone, Lucifer, and Bates Motel. That was built out close to where I live. Did you get to actually go to that set? That was so cool. A lot of stuff is filmed out. where I often think of you, Elaine, because as I'm driving to Langley, where a lot of 
production is. Yeah. And I've been uh, very many times filming in Walnut Grove. Walnut Grove. Oh, yeah. Fort Langley, where I live, is is yeah. basically one big movie. They would love to turn it into just a movie set. Anyways, but it but it is uh, that kind of town. We yeah. Have, like everything you've done is you're really busy hey like did, did the COVID, yeah. COVID slow you down at all or no it's the uh, the biggest irony is well what happened during COVID is everyone had some time to sit back and think for a minute which resulted in the Black Lives Matter movement yes and then that coincided with um, the film industry kind of reopening after several months of being shut down here in our province mm-hmm so, of course, Netflix and all the networks, nobody wants to be accused of being racist. Right. So the film industry reopened with a very different way of casting. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, here I am, 60 plus years of age. Yeah. I am busier than I have ever been. Oh, I mean, true? it's actually to the point. I mean, this sounds so immodest, but I have to turn things down. Really? I, I, I don't. Well, yeah, I just I don't oh. want to be so busy that I can't see straight yeah and the wonderful thing about COVID which made me sit back and think for a minute is I realized that the kind of crazy that we were on before COVID was not sustainable the traffic the Mm -hmm. going around running from one thing to the next to the next to the next and people with lives and children and families and work that's not a sustainable or a healthy lifestyle It's a huge so, reset, isn't it? it it's it's huge, great. And, yeah, and I yeah. feel very, very grateful that we are well and my family are well. And my friends, I know a few people I do know have had COVID. Nobody yeah. has uh, right? died. Oh, I don't oh know yeah, quite I, a few. Okay. I know quite a few people that have had it and uh, they're, they're fine. There, right. There's some long haulers that I do know. A couple of yeah. them are suffering. So I, I feel for that. And yeah. every time I speak to one of them, it reminds me to just, we're not out of it yet. No. It's going to be. It's six more months, realistically, I think. Seems that way. Well, I'm feeling so old and tired right now. I think I could really just pass for, like, is it 80 yet? Can you, can you play here? (laughs) I know. I'm I'm kind of my, you know, it's weird that I'm so busy and I'm about to leave Vancouver to go to Toronto for three months to work on, on two shows simultaneously. So what are you doing there? Uh, I think I'm allowed to talk about it. Uh, One is a TV series from... Canadian kind of like a little sitcom half hour kind of funny Kim's Convenience Schitt's oh, Creek wonderful. sort of format one of that I mean, great you don't know what the quality will be but hopefully right. yeah and then while I'm there I'm also going to be filming um, a Netflix feature film that's being produced by Imagine Entertainment Ron Howard oh, and Frank wow. Grace. he's not directing it but it's it's an arm of Imagine Entertainment and yeah. it's an arm that looks to me that is one of their diversity arms when you go oh. to their <laughs> contrast what how you are working now turning shows down to when you first started in the industry as an Indo-Canadian oh. young actor what was it like that's like well, 30 years ago yeah I mean uh I always knew Elaine even when I was in Loose Moose that the improvisation world was not going to be the place I would ever make any money Mm-hmm. And I really, really loved the idea as a young girl of being a movie actress. Yeah. And maybe I'll be famous and get lots of love from the world. And yeah. of course, as I studied with Keith, I realized, no, that's not really what it is to me at all. I love the minutia yes. of figuring out a character and moments and what is their arc as their journey goes through the script and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all of that I just love all that and how to make it more truthful and using what I learned at Loose Moose to apply to my work Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm successful sometimes I Mm -hmm. suck so bad I can't stand it (laughs) 
touches the lifestyle of being an actor. Yeah. But I feel so grateful. I'm making a good living. We, yeah. It bought us our home in, in Vancouver. Yeah. So yeah. I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. That's fantastic. We're talking about how you use the improvisational techniques. How do you go about, because the podcast is about the creative, creative, the act of creativity. So how do you go about developing a character? Where do you go to, to find, like you're obviously you're, you're given a description of who your character is, but past that, how do you make it your own? I look for clues in the script to find the, the bits and pieces. There might be something the character does. Um, I'm just thinking something recently I read where, the character was kind of a, a wiser woman, mm-hmm. Yoda-esque type okay. thing. So she'd say these very wise things. But the nice thing I remember about Yoda was nothing was really precious. Mm-hmm. It was all kind of done with a chuckle. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to steal and copy from Yoda. So I had this wise woman who kind of would say something really profound and then go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I'll pray to you. I love that. <laughs> You know, and uh, Keith would always say, steal, steal from somebody else if you can't think of something. I think what he also helped me learn was to find ways to forget your acting Mm -hmm. so that the natural behavior of what human beings do, which is so bizarre and illogical. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how can we trick our imagination so that rather than so if the waiter comes up to you in a restaurant, let's say you're in a scene and the waiter has to come up to you. How is your steak? And the line is, oh, it's delicious. Well, you kind of have to think, well, is it delicious? Maybe I'm (laughs) lying. People do that all the time to waiters. Nobody actually tells the waiter the truth. (laughs) How can I approach it from a billion different angles to find something that's not me just being on the nose? And I would think with you as a sculptor and an artist, that's very similar, right? Yeah, What's, yeah. Finding, I mean, I'm always looking for the truth in, an, in, in a different angle from a different point yeah. of view. Yeah. And that is what Keith always advocated, make you, you know, he'd suggest go read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Mm-hmm. Or the, mm-hmm. It's not that you go right to the thing. If you're going to sculpt a, an old lady in a convertible, mm-hmm. I doubt that you would just start with that. I have a feeling you start with so something so far away from that and then you find you find well, it. That, those if uh, if what you're referring to I think I know it, it's a commission so that actually <laughs> that doesn't quite enter into it as much but yes yes it's it's an approach you choose yeah. the approach and yeah. and how much of it is conscious and subconscious is, is and, very yeah important. yeah and and I didn't understand any of this when I was with Keith at the time mm-hmm. but it went in anyway like I remember we were um rehearsing a play that Keith wrote called The Last Bird. Mm. And I I played this young girl called The Waif. She was an orphan. And all these horrible things happened to her. It was one of these post-apocalyptic plays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's opening night. We're all there, all the gang from Loose Moose. There's like 20 people in the cast. We're like, so Keith, it's opening night. Oh my God, we're so nervous. Any words of wisdom? And Keith would say things like, try not showing up to the theater tonight see what happens or he'd go do it wrong you might learn something <laughs> and I know what he meant yeah. now I know at the time I was like what the f-? Yeah. Now, now I know what he meant when he'd say do it wrong is uh, try something new yeah. don't fall into the trap of what we've rehearsed what yeah. happens if you come in uh, the other door yeah. or if you say the line completely differently mm-hmm. or you leave the scene halfway through and come back like try things make mistakes 
he'd always say, I want you to make at least three mistakes each night. Oh my gosh. And, and if everybody in the cast is doing that, how to maintain the storyline and the exits and the entries, like that had to be a bit terrifying in a way too. Well, no, because you're improvisers. So you love it. So yeah. You love love the Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. So if Frank Titino doesn't show up on time, I have to do something to create something happening or whatever. Yeah. It was fantastic to have that. I mean, I, who knew that those were going to be my best years and most prolific creative times? Is that what you feel like, like working with? Well, I, 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 I have romanticized it a bit. I know there was lots of horrific nights where it was like <laughs> improvisation can be agony or ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. And on a bad night, it's a very long time to wait yeah. till following week when you're back on stage again to redeem yourself. It's yeah. very traumatizing but the audience forgives the audience forgives improvisers much more quickly than they would forgive uh, a stage play that was awful well I agree because I think one of the things we also learned was to fail good-naturedly yes so if you um are in a scene that just sucks and you walk off stage a little bit angry and you're sulking and you look sullen Nobody, nobody wants to see that. But if you suck and you laugh it off or playful and mischievous Mm -hmm. to the point where maybe it's a tiny bit unpredictable. Oh, my God. The audience will want to take you home and feed you grapes. Yeah, they'll be on your side. Absolutely. And that actually is is the version of clowning, too. Mm-hmm. The clown is never going to feel bad for anything they do. They're just going to think it's yes, funny. And- exactly. Your husband, yeah. Gordy, knows this inside mm-hmm. out, right? He tries it at home, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, no, there, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, there is that misconstrued thing where I think a lot of improvisers thought that because we say yes on stage, mm-hmm. one must say yes in life. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have learned, do not say yes to everything. It took me a while to say no. It took me, yeah, I I still say yes to way too many things. Yeah. Same, same. And, and uh, oddly enough, I think in the film industry, no, the word no is one of your biggest assets. (laughs) Uh Well, when you like, you're, you'll actually being able to turn work down now in the film industry. Wow. That's well, Elaine, it's, it's also because Vancouver has become this hub. I yeah. mean, especially earlier this year when our COVID numbers were so low, the mm-hmm. world came here to shoot things and yeah. film things. There were, we've never seen production on this level. Mm-hmm. So in the old days, one thought one had to move to Hollywood and live there. And mm-hmm. uh, a ton of Canadian actors still do migrate down south, but mm-hmm. you will work a lot more if you're here. Mm-hmm. We have a new movie studio that's been built. I, I, I know the, the woman that built it, Martini Studios in Langley. Oh, yeah. I've just finished working there. I was yeah. just up there. It's massive. So you you have the luxury of a dual Canadian and UK citizen. And has that ever served you in any way? Oh, yeah. I've gone uh, a few times over to the UK. Um, I did a film about 15 years ago that did well over there. Mm-hmm. So it, it opened some doors for me. So I thought, you know, I've got this dual citizenship I should take advantage of it so I got set up I got an agent I did a few projects over there um it's very similar to here though the uh, the local community are what serve the films and then you've got the few big star names that mm-hmm. are attached yeah it's interesting though many of the star names in England are only star names because they too had to leave England like we do here in Canada, oh. go to the States or be recognized through an American lens and then come back with their cachet. Wow. 
Yeah. So, but, and you've never felt the need to go down to Los Angeles and, and after my years at Loose Loose, I did live in LA for two or three years and I just okay. hated it. Did you? I didn't. Really? Well, I didn't realize, you know, this is my first time living, living out of Canada. I yeah. certainly traveled all over the world. That's a different thing. Yeah. Um, what I didn't realize is how much I would dislike living in the United States. I, mm -hmm. it wasn't Canada. I didn't mm -hmm. really understand the, American mentality. Mm -hmm. I did not like this was during the Reagan, Ronald Reagan years. I did not like the ease of which guns were accepted yeah. and their their politics and their they are very, very different culture from Canadians. Yes. And could yeah. not have known that without living there. But I find that um, Canada for me was a very prolific and mm -hmm. creative place to live and then moving to LA and waiting for the phone to ring if an agent had something for me was not I realized this is not my life this is not who right. I am that yeah so it's not everybody's path and that would be so yeah. disheartening and then when you look at at Canadian cinema and television and film in the last 20 years it's gone like look what Shit's Creek has done I just think it's incredible and Kim's can be all those shows are there's no need to move now we no. are we are who everybody wants to be. It seems like Canada is a real hot spot for storytelling. Yeah, fortunately, yeah. and I think also the the Hollywood machine, you know, mm -hmm. that we think of. I think it's become very decentralized because of things like Netflix and Crave. Um, I got the privilege of shooting a Netflix show in South Africa a couple of years oh. ago. Wow! But because of Netflix shooting all over the world. They actually cast a big chunk of this in South Africa with unbelievably good South African actors, really good actors. We've just been fed this narrative that good actors come from Hollywood and yeah. good actors are all over the world. And of yeah. course, if you've ever watched a really good foreign film, you realize formula that we think is a way to make a movie. There are so many different interesting ways to tell a story. Absolutely. And and with the COVID, we've all watched so much more <laughs> and discovered so much more because yeah. of that. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Can you name a favorite character? Like I, I've seen you a number of times. You're a very wise woman and you get cast as judges. <laughs> judges, doctors. doctors. Yeah, those paid the mortgage. But yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the film world in Vancouver, uh, yeah. we're primarily supportive characters, we, right. you know, unless you're yeah. playing a, a, in a Canadian film. Yeah. And so that's where I do get to have my fulfillment is if I get a larger role in a Canadian production. And I've had quite a few that I feel really blessed yeah. to have had. There's one that I did. Oh, God, it was almost 20 years ago now, though. And mm -hmm. it was still one of my best experiences. It was just one of those scripts that came together. It was about a... Um, a Muslim a mom and her son, and I was the, the mom's sister, and he yes. comes out to her the family that he's I've getting. Seen that. What was that movie called? I love that movie. Touch of Pink. Yes. Is yeah. that 20 years ago already? Well, oh. 2004. So what are yeah. we at here? Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So and the reason I really connected with it is because the director believed in let's find some new angles here using improvisation. Oh. So I got to bring up I got to bring up all my skills and feed that into the script. I think a lot of directors and writers in the film industry are terrified of actors improvising because they're going to run away with the script and change it up and and of course my training it's not about that it's about how to tell a story and right. forward yeah. 
question. It's not about ad-libbing goofball funny lines. No, and being generous with the other actors. being Inspiring your partner, yeah. I would love to do more projects like that, where the director entrusts good actors to take a a nugget of an essence of a scene. you got to figure out what's the essence in this scene, and then go with that without losing the essence. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So is that, uh, oh, and you, your web series a couple of years ago. I love okay. that. Did that, and you played a, a, an owner of a yoga studio. But that was actually my partner, my wife, Jill okay. Johnson decided to just do a web series. Um, no one had done them yet. Yeah. So she got some funding privately yeah. and she filled it up with a few local celebrities, Sarah McLaughlin yeah. and Vikram <laughs> Vidge, the chef and, you know, it was it was her first foray into that world. So, you know, oh. there was some problems, but it was the first time any of us had done a web series. And yeah. it was so fun to just have no pressure from a network or anybody right. telling yeah. us what we could and couldn't do. And we're running late and all of those things. Yeah. But I love the premise of that, that it was a yoga studio. That was yeah. such a great premise because there's so many different characters that can come in and out and things that happen. And, yeah, yeah. and it was, it was, gosh, do you know, that was like nearly 10 years ago oh, now. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. But it was also just a little bit at the beginning still of the massive yoga movement. And yeah. it was fun to make fun of the yoga movement, <laughs> but now that's a bit yesterday. You have yeah. to make fun of new now. Who can you make Claudia. fun of now? Who would you, who would you make fun of if you were going to do a, a series? What would be well, a this, I would make fun of the preciousness of everything being too politically correct right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that's not politically correct to say so, but <laughs> I just think everything's so gone in the other direction. That pendulum is fun swung, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But the only people that are going to be able to make fun of that are people of a non-white lineage, because obviously if a white person made fun of that whole world. Yeah. <laughs> This doesn't work. So so I tick all the boxes. I'm gay. I'm non-white and I'm a woman. I would get a grant like that. (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So I'm I'm just not going to bother applying. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I, 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 but you're you're right. You're right. That, and, and I mean, of course there's a reason for that. Like you said, black lives. Yeah, I mean, you're you know so important right now. We've got to just go with that pendulum swing until it comes back to center. Yeah, and you're right, Elaine. Like when I was in university, my acting teachers, not Keith, but other teachers, would just say, "There's no way. There are no roles for someone who looks like you." And I, I just didn't hear it. I was too naive to believe them. I was, I was, you know, at that age, you're like, "To hell with you! I'm going to change the world." Yeah. Yeah. But you know what's cool? We we did change the world. Yeah. You know, you say that at that age and you're like, yeah, I'm going to hell with them. Yeah. But we did. And look nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody used improvisation as a performance. It was something you used in rehearsals where you'd improvise being a mushroom on a floor rolling down a hill. Oh, I remember those exercises. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, every high school, every community theater, everybody does improv. Everybody. Everybody, I, it's everywhere. You cannot escape it. And I can't stand watching it anymore. Yes, because it's taught very poorly for the most part. So it, it has been diluted. Yeah. The original techniques and message has been diluted. But Yeah, and uh, that's unfortunate. When we were doing it back then, this is now 40 years ago, that was certainly a big revolutionary thing. It certainly was, yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah. So, well, well, that's exciting. Well, I'm really glad that I got to talk to you before you took off to Toronto. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just so thrilled to reconnect with you. Thank you. You had such wisdom in everything you said was just like, yeah, you're Yoda, man. I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Elaine. (laughs) Venus Sood, actress extraordinaire. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you. I'd like to thank Vina Sood for that fantastic conversation. If you want to find out more about Vina, you can go to her website. That's Vina Sood, S-O-O-D, VinaSood.com. Or you can also check her film biography out on Imbrit. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned next week for the next Creatives Uncorked.